The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I've been waiting a year to say that. Uh, I hope uh, the season has already started great for you. Uh, I I have a confession to make, and this may offend some of you, but this is my favorite time of the year. Anybody else? Anybody else love this Christmas season? Okay, a couple of you guys. Uh, I I, I so love the Christmas season, and I'm so excited about the month of December here at Story City Church. And uh, we're in what we call the Advent season. If you're not familiar with that term, if you don't uh, have not been around church in a while or maybe ever, Um, Advent simply is a reflection on the coming of Jesus and his birth, and we reflect on that during this season. And then Advent is also the reflection on the return of Jesus to the earth. And so that's what we call Advent, and we're going to focus on that very thing over the next four weeks here at Story City Church. I have a confession. I, I started listening to Christmas music in late October, all right? Uh, I don't know. if You may not love Christmas music. People ask me all the time. They're like, what's your favorite Christmas album? I'm like, I don't care. I just love Christmas music. I can listen to anything. If Nickelback played Christmas music, I would listen to it, all right? And so I love Christmas music. I am the store that starts setting up in September, okay? I just love the season. And I think the reason why I love the season is because because I had a great Christmas as a kid. Um, Christmas was always the same. From the time I was a kid until the time I graduated college, we always celebrated it in the same way. We would get up really early. We would go find our presents underneath the tree. Um, we would open a few presents. We would have breakfast at my grandparents' house on my father's side at 8.30 in the morning, and then we would come back home, and at 12 o'clock, we would have lunch together uh, with my mom's side of the family, and we did that the same every Every single year until I graduated from college. I love Christmas season. And I think the reason why I love it is because I had a great childhood. And I felt loved during Christmas. I don't know what your feelings are about this season. Maybe it's a season you want to forget. Maybe it's a season you're trying to get back to because you loved it like I did. But we want to say to you this season... We believe, as we reflect on all of the memories, all of the emotions, all of the nostalgia of Christmas, we believe this can be one of the best Christmases yet when you experience the love, the hope, the joy, the peace of Jesus during this season. Now, the reality of the matter and the season is this. The older you get, the more complicated this season becomes, right? Maybe some of you guys are dating, um, and this is the first Christmas you've spent together, and you're sort of in that limbo stage right now, or maybe you've already decided together, like, are we going to spend Christmas together? Are we going to meet the parents? Or how are we going to do this? Or maybe you're married, and you're trying to navigate whose family you're going to spend it with. Or maybe you have kids, and you're like, are we going to have our own traditions now? Are we going to continue to do the traditions that we used to have? Or maybe there's a divorce in the family like there is in ours, and so now you're trying to navigate who's going to get breakfast, Who's going to get lunch? Who's going to get Christmas Eve? Who's going to do the grandparents thing before? Like the older you get, the more complicated Christmas becomes, right? Can you say amen if you agree with that? Like it just becomes complicated. It's also complicated, not just because of the schedules, but it's also complicated because 
of the way we think people think about us and how we think about other people, right? Like, how, what are they going to think about my gift? What are they going to think about my wife? What are they going to think about my grades? What are they going to think about um, who I'm dating or who I'm not dating? Like, like, there's all sorts of complicating emotions and feelings around Christmas. And I can't uncomplicate those for you today. I can't uncomplicate your schedule for you today. I can't navigate uh, where you're going to go, what you're not going to spend. But can I just do this for a moment? Over the next few weeks together, we, we believe the message of Christmas doesn't have to be complicated. And so that's our goal over the next four weeks. We want to try to uncomplicate the message of Christmas, and we want to start this morning by thinking on, reflecting on, and meditating the love of God towards us. All right, Luke chapter 2, and it starts in verse 8. It'll be on the screen, and you can read along with me. And Linus said, uh, uh, Jesus said uh, in Luke chapter 2, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And they were keeping watch over their flock at night. And verse 9 said, and don't you just see that? Don't you see Linus? I just love it. Like, don't judge me. I love Christmas. Like, this may, that may offend you. I just love it, okay? Just be in love with my love for Christmas just for a moment if you don't love Christmas. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And verse 9 says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, right? This happens all the time. Angels come down and speak, right? No, it doesn't happen. And so the angel says... And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were. But the angel said to them, now listen to what he says, or she says, whatever it is, do not be afraid, right? There's a whole sermon series even tied around this idea of fear at Christmas, and we don't have time today. But, but all the characters in the story of Christmas, by the way, if you experience the emotion of fear this season, look, you're, you're in good company. The shepherds experience fear. Why? The Mary experience. Everybody surrounding this whole, like even Mary and Joseph after Jesus was born experienced fear. Why? Because they were coming to kill the firstborn. I mean, like there were so many people that experienced the emotion of fear. By the way, God had not spoken to his people. Another sermon for another time. God had not spoken to his people for 400 years until this moment. There was a period of silence among the people of God, from God speaking to his people. And now the angel of God shows up and he has a voice and he speaks to the people of God. This is a momentous occasion in the life of the people of God. And this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Did you just say that with me? I bring you good news. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. This idea of good news, this is where I want to start, and then I'm going to go somewhere else this morning, but this idea of good news is where we get um, the term, the, the, the word, the thought, the gospel. We talk about that often here, and gospel just simply means a good story. And so after 400 years of silence, God, through the angel, is about to speak to his people, and he says, I've got a good story for you. I've got good news for you. Now listen to me. If there's anything about the message of Christmas, if there's anything about the message of Christianity to you that's offensive to you or that's not good news to you, I just want to say to you, somebody along the way may have distorted your perception of Christianity because the angel, through the voice of God, says this is good news. If there's anything about the church or churches in your past that you don't have this experience of it being good news, then somewhere along the way, some church or a multiplicity of churches have distorted 
destroyed your perception of the church because the angel says, I've got good news. So before we try to understand what this good news is at Christmas, let me try to um, help us understand what good news cannot be. What good news cannot be meant by the angel who is um, speaking to the people of God. First of all, the angel could not have meant that good news means you must do better, right? But like, like um, the angel did not come with this story, this good story and say, here's the deal. I've got something incredible for you. You must do better. Is that good news? That's not good news. But every religious system in the world, Every religious system in the world has this idea that you must do better than you do bad. And if the scales somehow manage to weigh themselves out, then you end up on the right side and the good side of God. Here's the problem with that. Here's why that can't be good news and that can't be the message of Christianity and that can't be the message of Christmas. Because if the messages outweigh the bad with the good, then you never really have assurance that the good outweighs outweighs the bad, right? Like you may keep a log, you may keep an Excel spreadsheet. Like I did this today. I gave a good present when nobody asked me to. I, I said, hello. And I waved to people, you know, I didn't, you know, curse people in the, on the freeway. Like, like you may keep a log of that, but the problem is you can never figure out, have I done more good than bad? So good news can't mean just do better, right? Secondly, good news cannot mean prove yourself, Right? Like, like it's the, the message of Christianity is not um, this idea that you must straighten up, you must do good things, you must earn credibility with God so that he has given or he will give you his own favor. Um, the third thing that good news cannot mean is not just do better, like, like straighten up. Like that's not good news. It can't be prove yourself, like, like demonstrate your credibility. The last thing that good news cannot mean is you must give up something, right? Like you, the good news can't be give up something in order to get something from God. If that was the message of the angel, listen to me, we've got multiple problems in scripture with multiple people in scripture specifically. Hello, that got bright. Um, <laughs> We, we have multiple problems with people in Scripture, um, specifically the man who died on the cross next to Jesus, right? Like Jesus has this conversation with him. Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. But the problem is, if the good news is, if the good news is that you have to give something up, the thief on the cross had no bad habits to give up in that moment, right? So good news cannot mean do better, prove yourself, or give something up. Here's the reality. If somebody came to you today... And they told you, I've, I've got good news for you, right? Like your first thought, your mind doesn't immediately go to this idea like, what am I going to have to give up? What is this going to cost me? Like, like your mind doesn't go those places. When somebody comes to you and they say, I've got good news for you, it means that something amazing is about to happen. It means here comes an opportunity. It means life's about to get better. It means you're not gonna have to do something you thought you were gonna have to do, right? Like, like there's bad weather outside today. It means, uh, it means work is canceled tomorrow. Um, in the South where I'm from, uh, if, it, like, like if it's supposed to snow eight days from now, they're canceling school already, right? Like, like that's good news. Or maybe good news is the professor gives you the answers to the test before you ever take it. That's good news. Or maybe good news is mom called and she said, you don't have to come home for Christmas, right? Like when you hear somebody say, I've got good news for you, 
You don't immediately have these thoughts around the ideas of what do I need to do to get it? Am I credible enough to receive it? What am I going to have to give up in order to earn it? What do I have to prove in order to receive this good news? And so the angel comes to his people, God's people. And the angel says, I have good news. Listen, the message of Christmas, the message of Christmas is good news. It's a good story. Let me tell you now why the angel could say, this is good news. In John chapter 3, uh, I'm going to put a couple verses on the screen here in just a moment. But in John chapter 3, um, the author of the book of John in the New Testament is a man who had walked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. He was commissioned by Jesus to take care of his mother after Jesus died. And so this man knows Jesus, and he records a conversation that Jesus has with a very religious person. In fact, the scripture says in John chapter 3 that this person was intellectual, he was smart, and not only that, but he was actually a ruler of the Jews, according to the scripture. In other words, he was a religious authority in his community. So John records this, uh, this story, this narrative of this man who is Jewish, intellectual, smart, and a man who has authority. He comes to Jesus secretly, and he comes to Jesus, and he says, I've been watching I've been observing, and I've seen the things you've done. I've seen the incredibly miraculous um, things that you've performed. And I know, because I'm intelligent, and I'm religious, and I understand that just normal, ordinary people don't just do these things. And so can you explain to me, who are you? Like, like, like what, what, what really is your message? And so John records this narrative where Jesus begins talking to this guy whose name is Nicodemus. And Jesus launches into this idea, like, you've seen the things I've done, but you don't yet understand who I am. And the only way you will understand who I am is if you are, and Jesus says, born again, okay? And so this religious leader says, he's not, he's not um, of a religious faith that believes in reincarnation. He says, I, I, wait, wait a second, I don't believe in reincarnation. I know you can only be born once. I know I'm not going to die and come back as something altogether different. So what do you mean, be born again? Because I can't be born again. And Jesus says, the basic idea is that you have a heart. It's dead. It doesn't beat and it's not alive. Yet when you are born again, when I invade your life, when I come into your life, when you understand who I am, I will take the heart that does not beat anymore and I will give you a brand new heart and it will be as if you are a brand new person. And Nicodemus, until you understand that, you really don't understand who I am. And then John kind of steps out of, uh, out of this conversation Jesus is having with the religious leader, Nicodemus. And John says, actually, let me just try to put it to you as simply as I possibly can. For God so loved the world, Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Like if you've, ever been, um, if you've ever been in church, if you've ever been around church, if you've ever been in a sporting event, um, you've heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. They would have life that doesn't end. It just keeps going. Here's what Jesus is teaching us through the words of John in John chapter 3. 
The God that we are reading about and hearing about this morning, the God that John wrote about and he observed in person is a God, listen to me, don't let this skip over you today, is a God who loves. Let that sink in just for a moment. He loves. I know it's really hard to like, what do you, uh, yeah, love. Like, like he Loves of all the things you may say about God, right? Of all the, all the words, all the paragraphs, all the books written that we may say about God, please be sure to say this. Listen to me. He loves. God loves. And the writer of this book that's writing this narrative about Nicodemus and Jesus also says in another book that he wrote, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he describes God like this. God is love. God is love. And so in other words, we get this idea that giving, right? We, we get this idea of giving at Christmas time. Giving and serving other people for their betterment and their good is closer to the essence of God than getting and being served, right? God loves God is love, for God so loved the world. Now, um, as, 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 uh, as a dad with three kids trying to explain the true, genuine meaning of love, we have this thing um, in my home um, where, where we often will do this, uh, daddy loves you so much, right? Like, and, and so we play this game, how much do you love? Now, they're a little bit older, so it doesn't, it's not as kiddish as I'm narrating right now. Like, daddy loves you so much. How much do you love daddy? Oh, daddy, I love you this much. So it's like a game, like who can get their arms the widest? And I love the game because I've got the widest arms, right? Like daddy so loves you right? Well, so when we read John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we, we just think, oh, this, like the love that he's describing, it's a quantity. Like, like, like one day it's this much, one day it's this much, another day it's like this much, another day, like you had way too much to drink yesterday. It's this much today, right? Like, like, like God so loved you depending on the day. The reality is that's not what John is trying to communicate here. He's not trying to communicate a quantity of love that God has towards you. The meaning here is that God loves you like this. God loves you in this way. This is how God loves you. And so when we understand how God loves us, then the quantity is, is not even fathomable. So he says, for God so loved the world. How did he love? What's the way that God loves us this Christmas season? How does he love us? He gave. He gave. His only son. God's gift to humanity was his son. And what did humanity think about the gift? Well, what can he do for me? <laughs> How can he benefit me? For God so loved, listen to me, that he, he gave I don't know if you have the same experience that I do at Christmas, but I, I have a difficult time. I mean, if you've been around here 
for a year and a half since we started this church. You may have heard me say this before. I have a difficult time receiving things from people. Honestly, I just really have a hard time. Now, when we go to Christmas and we sit at home um, with, with our family, um, we do this really strange thing. If my father-in-law is listening, I love you, and this is the best way we could ever possibly do it. But listen to how we do it, all right? Um, there's like 25 of us, and we go one by one. Like You have to open yours. Everybody watches you open yours, and like you've got to, you know, like you don't have to, but you're expected like, oh my gosh, this is, I, I, this is what I was asking for. I cannot believe you read my mind. This is amazing. And I'm so bad in these moments, right? My brother-in-law, Judson, amazing, amazing. Like you got coal for Christmas. Oh, this is so good. Like five baseball cards of guys you never met before or heard about. This is the best ever. Like a Nickelback Christmas album. This is so good, right? Like, he's so amazing at receiving gifts, and I'm terrible at it. Like, not just at Christmas time, any time of the year. I'm, before the service started, um, my football team, Clemson University, number one in the country, by the way, FYI, um, they're, they're, they're playing the University of Alabama in the first round of the playoffs in New Orleans. I have a buddy that's like, hey, I'm booking us a room in Biloxi for the, for the semifinal game. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, what? I don't deserve this, right? Like, I had this hard, difficult time of receiving. Let me tell you why, because you probably can relate. Like, I know I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of whatever it is that you're giving me. I have all these thoughts. I'm not worthy of this. Like, I, I can't possibly pay back the gift that you are giving me. Like, I know who I am, and I don't have enough credibility as a human being, even as your friend, to receive what you are giving to me. And then sometimes I tell myself, like, like, like oh, they were obligated, right? Oh, they were obligated to give me that gift. Like, like, I'm their pastor, or I'm their friend, or I'm in the office next to them. Like, they were obligated to give me this gift. And then there's other times, I'm like, like I can't pay it back, or they were obligated uh, to give it, and then sometimes I have these conversations in my head, like, like, oh, they're just giving me this gift because they want something from me, right? Like, I just had this conversation 45 minutes ago, and this was the exact thought I had. He's giving me this because he wants something from me. And we have this, this system of love that we've fabricated and created in culture. Like, it's, like, love is sort of like this bartering system that we have in our culture, like, you give me something, and obviously you're expecting something in return. Oh, the only reason you're giving this to me is because you were supposed to or you had to. And so we have this, this external idea of love that we work with and live with, and that's why, and one of the reasons why, Christmas is so difficult. Like, you gave, and I, I like, what am I going to give in return? Like, you spent 75. I only spent... 15. Like, 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 this is not equal. There's no, like, you, what, what do you want from me? What do I have to do as a result of these things? As, a, as, as kids, like, I have three. I, I get this. Like, like, sometimes kids grow up in a world where they're not intrinsically loved for who they are. They're just not. It's the reality we live in. One of our passions here at Story City is foster care ministry. We love foster care kids. And it's not unique to foster, but, but kids in our, in college, they grow up because they're not intrinsically loved for who they are. You know what happens? You know what happens to those kinds of kids? You know what happens in those circumstances? They learn to perform to a set of standards in order to achieve love. Happens. 
We've got this bartering system of love in our culture. Listen to me. The love of God cannot be bartered. God's not, God doesn't love you. He doesn't give to you. He did not give you an extraordinary gift because of what you could give to him. The thing that God needs from you, listen to me. In fact, the thing that God needs from you is something you can't even give him. God so loved. His love cannot be bartered. It can't be traded. It's not something you've got to give up in order to receive it. He wasn't even obligated to give it to you. And that's the kind of love the Father has towards you this Christmas season. It's a giving love. He gave his most precious gift, his son, his son. And I believe we need to meditate on that this Christmas. It was a costly love, a powerful love, a painful love. The meaning of Christmas is found in this celebration of the giving love of God. God did what you do when you truly love someone. He gave. He gave. No strings attached. God loves the world. And he loves, listen to me, the totality of this world. What do you mean? Like this, no, no, what I mean is he loves in view of a fallen, sinful, reprobate, evil world. He loves the world in spite of that. I don't know if you can remember when you were dating. Maybe you're married and been married for years. Maybe you're in the process now of working it out. And and at and, and the beginning of that process, um, typically what happens is like you, you put the best foot forward, right? <laughs> you like put the best forward and then you just hide the rest until a later time, right? Like I, I, they can see that later, right? <laughs> they can smell that later. They can um, be a part of that later. They can meet the crazy family later. Like, like, like I'm going to put the best foot forward, right? Sometime else, they, they can get the other part. Because if I put that foot forward first, <laughs> they're going to know I'm crazy. <laughs> Listen to me. God knows you're crazy. <laughs> God knows you're crazy. He saw the worst foot forward. He saw the best foot forward. And he knows you got some crazy baggage. He knows you got some things in the corner. He knows you have some things that are hidden. He knows you're crazy. And yet he loves. And yet he gave. Crazy and all. Listen to me. To every human being on planet Earth. Um, several hundred in the first and second service today, we'll hear this. I don't know how many on podcasts. I want you to hear me say this this morning. The good news of Christmas is this. God loves you and there's no limits to this offer. God loves you and there is no limit to this offer. It goes out to everyone. Every ethnic people, every socioeconomic class, every age, every person who is good according to our standards, every person who is bad to our standards, even to the worst degree of sinner from bad to worst, 
God loves you. And that's good news. It's mind-blowing news, actually. To the people who would have listened to this in, in, in the first century as John is writing, in the mind of a Roman and a Gentile, they had this perception of God that gods do whatever they want and they want nothing to do with us. We formulate all of our own ideas of what God wants and what he doesn't want and who he loves and who he doesn't love and why he loves and why he doesn't love. And yet this morning, he tells us that he loves us and we have the ability, the potential, the possibility to become a child of God. God gave us what was most valuable to him. He gave his son and he gave his life. What? That whoever, whoever, scripture says believes. We have this word in Greek. It's just big word called pistuo. It's the Greek word, but there's a preposition added to pistuo that gives us this idea that it's not just means I believe in facts, like I believe that Jesus did that. It gives us an altogether different idea that I trust, right? Like I could sit back here today with Pat, and as he's playing, I'd be like, Pat, I believe that that, uh, that podium thing right there, I believe it will hold, I believe if you stand on top of it, it will hold you, right? And like we could say, I believe in this podium holding me, right? But until I and I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. Uh, until, until I actually get on, until Pat, well, Pat gets on the podium and stands on it and trusts the podium to hold him, it's really not effectual. That whoever trusts in what Jesus has done. God, you don't know what I've done. <laughs> oh, yes, he does. He knows that. He knows last night. He knows tomorrow. He knows everything about you. Can I say this to you? It's not an insult. It's actually a compliment. You are in worse shape in God's eyes than you are in your own eyes. And that's not bad news, unless that's the only news. And the rest of the story is that that didn't stop him. <laughs> that didn't hold him back. And it's precisely the measure of our unworthiness that makes the love of God reach for his son as the only adequate sacrifice, the only adequate expression of how much he genuinely loves you. Whoever trusts in him will receive something from him. He loves, so he gave. And if we believe that and we receive that very thing that he came to give us, what is that? Scripture says eternal life, big word. What do you mean by that? It means life may stop temporarily, but it will go on forever. And when it goes on forever, it will be a good forever. It will be in the presence of God. The Roman emperors thought that the way to live forever was to become divine. Jesus says, not possible. It's much simpler. Trust in me. Can I ask you this morning, do you live in this idea of forgiveness and freedom and God's love that we see in John 3, 16? Do you feel the love of God today? Do you feel the depth of God's love to you this Christmas season? I'm almost done, but I wanna read you one last verse. You probably, if you've been around church or maybe even not, you've heard John 3, 16. God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Whoever trusts in him would not die, but they would go on living forever in the presence of God. But then you didn't, probably ever hear John 3, 17. I think it's one of the sweetest verses in all of Scripture. And I believe it will express an extraordinary, miraculous love to you today. 
John 3, 17 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. If you've ever felt condemned by Christians, then maybe somewhere along the line, they sent you the wrong message. If you've ever felt condemned by the church, maybe somewhere along the lines, the church sent you the wrong message. The good news is that God did not come to condemn the world. Why? Because we already knew that. Like you may not live daily with this idea that I am wretched, I'm awful, I'm evil, I should have never done that, and I feel sorry for that. And that may not be a daily experience. And I would posture, in most cultures, we probably don't think that lowly of ourselves on a regular basis, but there is a moment when you will. And when you do, and when you believe and know that I, I, I'm, I'm not worthy. We know it. God says, I didn't come to tell you that because you already knew it. Here's what I did come to tell you. Not to condemn you, but to save the world through Jesus. That's extraordinary, incredible news this morning. That's good news. In other words, John says, Jesus did not come to stick his finger in your face and point at you and tell you how awful and wretched you are. That's not the totality of the message today. You must understand that in order to receive eternal, in order to experience the genuine, true love of God. You need to know the depth of that experience. But listen, here's why Jesus came. Not to just point his finger. Jesus came to take his finger off and to say, I came for something much better, to save you to give you a new heart that beats like a brand new person, period. End of story. The good news of Christmas. Listen to me. When you trust in that good news, we receive the very thing he came to give us. We receive God life. I don't mean you're, you're, you're a God. I don't, we, we theologically don't believe that. Like, like my son has God life. My daughter, I mean, I have, no, she definitely doesn't have yet. My, my daughter, my son, my youngest son, they have Matt life. We trust in the thing that God came to give us. We have God life. I believe people are dying every day to know that somebody genuinely loves them. I can't uncomplicate your schedule this Christmas. I cannot uncomplicate your financial situation believing you can't show up on Christmas with what you want to give. But I can uncomplicate this for you, the simple, good story of this season. Christ came to give you everything. I don't mean life will always be extraordinary, but he came to give you everything you have ever wanted. Period. End of story. Life in Jesus. Is that you? Do you feel loved by God this Christmas season? Would you just pray with me just for a moment? Just, you can bow your heads if church isn't your normal thing. Just, just bow your heads right now, sort of this moment of reflection. I just, I wanna ask you, I don't wanna embarrass you, I don't wanna 
make you say anything you don't want to do. I don't, I'm not going to make you stand up and feel weird. It's not, never our point here at Story City. I hope this feels like family. But have you ever trusted in that? Don't just believe the facts of it. That's part of it. Mind, motion, will. Have you, have you ever trusted that Jesus can sustain your life? He can give you life eternal. This life will end, but it will go on forever in the presence of God. Have you ever trusted in that? If you've never trusted in that, I'd like to invite you to do so. Nothing magical or mystical. You don't have to stand on the stage. You don't have to say anything you don't want to say. Trusting in the truth that God loves you and he created you. There's a problem between you and him as you currently stand. The Bible calls it sin. And we understand that. The Bible also goes on to say, unless there's a solution to that problem called sin, there's result is death both in this life and the next. But the good news of Christmas is that in spite of the problem between you and God, which is sin, God gave a solution. And that was his son. That was Jesus on the cross for your sin. There was nothing that you could give God that would satisfy what God needed. And so he gave his only son for you. And if you would trust in that, he would forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness and unhealthy and evil in your life. The result, according to John chapter 1, is that then he, begives, then he gives you the right to become a child of God. Are you a child of God? Have you received his salvation? Have you been saved, John 3, 17, not to condemn but to save the world? If that's you this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to do so. No embarrassment, no shame, no saying anything, nobody looking around. If that's you this morning, can I just ask you to do me a favor? Right now, that's you. I've never received that gift that God has given. I've never trusted in that. He's never taken a dead heart and made it beat again and given me life in Jesus. He's never given, I've never received God. I've never received God life. I've never been saved and I want to. You do me a favor, nobody looking around who's in front, back, right, left. Would you do me a favor? Would you just raise your hand so I can see you? What are you going to do? I'm not going to embarrass you. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? Praise God. Praise God. If that's you this morning, I, I, I just want to ask you one simple thing. After the service, I'd like for you to stop by the Connect table. There's a card. At the bottom of the card, it says, I've trusted Jesus today. I would like to know that. Why, Pastor Matt? Because we believe the believing life is not a solo flight. You don't do it alone. You do it with the community, and that's why we are here, to walk with you in this new life you've received. We want to give you a Bible, some things to help you begin to walk with God. If that's you, and you just raise your hand, will you stop by the Connect table and help us know who you are this morning? Lord, we love you. God, we acknowledge that our love towards you does not rival the affection that you have towards us, and we can know the extent of that love because of the Christmas story you gave. We were undeserving. Nothing we could give that would satisfy. And so you gave yourself. May we meditate on that this Christmas season. God, may we feel tangibly the love of God this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.